Welcome to From Betrayal to Breakthrough. I'm Dr. Debbie Silber, and today's guest is Abigail Rebecca. And Abigail helps smart and independent women escape their soul-sucking corporate jobs so they can feel fulfilled, happy, and purposeful without risking financial security or status. She's an international coach and speaker and is the host of The Whole Shebang Project. Using her Big Change Small Steps framework, she helps women make a difference in the world and make millions doing it by infusing feminine energy with their natural strengths and abilities to take better care of themselves and launch their next big thing. And today we're going to be talking about an interesting type of betrayal, the betrayal of your family and your religion. This conversation may rankle your feathers a bit, Is that even a saying? (laughs) But I'm sure it happens more often than we know. It may even be happening to you right now. What happens when we feel betrayed by our religion and by our family who rejects us if we disagree? You're about to find out in this conversation I had with Abigail Rebecca. Here we go. Oh, I am so excited today. We have uh, Abigail Rebecca, known as Abby, and she's going to be talking about something really, really interesting. We're going to be talking about when we're betrayed by our family belief system. So hang on. It's going to be a great conversation. So welcome, Abby. Hi, Debbie. Thanks for having me on. Oh, absolutely. And and we had a little bit of a pre-chat about um, really what goes on when we get to a point where what we've been raised with doesn't quite feel right. And it shakes up the people around us. It shakes us up. So can you share your experience? Tell us your story. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. So um, so my upbringing is a little bit different maybe to others. So I was, um, I was brought up as a Jehovah's Witness and I was born into a family of very, very de- devout Jehovah's Witnesses, like third generation Jehovah's Witnesses, all the males in my family were all sort of, you know, head of um, the church or the kingdom hall, as it was called, but I refer it to it as a church. And um, I was born into this religion, some might call it a cult. I certainly look back on it and um, completely think that it was. And um, yeah, I was, you know, I was brought up really to... um, believe that um, I wasn't really good enough for anything other than to get married and have children. You know, that's how I was raised. I remember very, very clearly when I was like, um, so I must have been about 14, 13, 14. And I was choosing my GCSEs, which is, um, it's like the, you know, the higher exams. So like so small, is that in, in America? I'm just trying to think, mm-hmm. like worldwide. Um, what like an be. SAT? Is that like an yeah, SAT? Oh, okay. like my SAT. ACT. Okay. That's it, yes. So mm-hmm. I was choosing the subjects. And I remember I wanted to do, like I love science. I wanted to do all the science subjects. Obviously, I wanted to do English. I wanted to do maths. And my, I remember so clearly my father saying, well, you won't need any of those because you're not going to have a career. So he basically chose all the subjects for me that I was going to study at school. Mm. Um, needlework, cookery. I remember that he said that I should do typing. He said, because you never know, you might get a part-time job. And looking back on it, I was completely, completely brainwashed and immersed in this religion that was basically dictating who I could hang around with, who could be my friends, um, 
what I should wear, um, you know, how the kind of life that I should leave, the, the kind of person that I should marry. Um, I'm really held by this fear that if I didn't adhere to all the rules and the conditions, the very, very strict rules actually within the organization, that eventually when this big mass um, destruction happened, when the end of the world, they call it Armageddon, when this happened, mm -hmm. that I would die. I would mm -hmm. perish this terrible death. And, you know, that's really scary for a four-year-old, a six-year-old, an eight-year-old, you know, growing sure, up. Sure, so sure. And Abby, it, forgive me, I, I don't know really anything about the religion. So was was this the idea of you just taking the cooking classes and the needlework and things like that? Was that just your dad's idea or was that was that part of the religion? I, excuse me, I, I don't know anything about mm. it. No, that's a really interesting question. So um, yes, it was my dad's decision, but it was based on the beliefs that he had as an elder within that organization. And, um, you know, if you it, it, it's really frowned upon within that organization to go into higher education. So it would be very, very rare if you found a Jehovah's Witness who would be in university. Because um, once you go to into higher education, it's, um, I mean, you are encouraged, aren't you, to question, mm -hmm. to challenge to have an opinion on things. And, you know, that's not good for them because they don't want to be questioned. They don't want to be challenged. They don't want anybody within their organization to have an opinion. They want subservient followers that mm. will do as they're told um, and, you know, keep, keep quiet and not challenge anything. So it is positively discouraged mm. to go into higher education or to have any kind of really great career you know you'll normally find sort of lower paid jobs that Jehovah's Witnesses are in. Now and and it's so interesting because is this was this a a conscious was this a spoken thing or was this just an understanding of of a fear if if people within the religion were to become more educated was this something that was spoken about or, or just an understood? No, it was something that was spoken about. I mean, I don't, I, I, sort of looking back, I don't ever remember anybody ever saying, um, if you go into higher education, then you're just going to be thrown out of the organization and you're mm. going to die in Armageddon. <laughs> it wasn't that direct. However, there were very strong opinions and views around who and who you couldn't um, mix with. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, you like what, can you give us some examples? Well, you just weren't allowed to be friends with anybody who was not a Jehovah's witness because that is, so the quote, so the quote, I remember it so clearly from childhood. So the quote was bad association spoils good habits. Mm. which actually, if you think about it, is a really good mindset. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Because it is so true. Mm -hmm. But the way that they actually, um, you know, the way that they um, presented that was that you were not, if you were at school, of course you would speak to people. You know, you weren't going to dismiss people. You weren't going to ignore people. You'd be mm -hmm. sociable, mm -hmm. but only within those situations that you really had to. So with your work mm -hmm. colleagues, with your school colleagues, as soon as you're out of work and you're out of school, you did not mix with the worldly people. 
-hmm. You only mixed with people who were in the truth, which is what they call being within the organization, being a Jehovah's Witness. So you were absolutely allowed to, um, to uh, associate yourself with anybody as long as there were a Jehovah's Witness. So of course you go, you know, and spend more and more time in a corporate career where, you know, you might be working overtime, you might be working weekends or you go Mm -hmm. to university and you get involved in all the extracurricular activities that would be very, very much discouraged. Really? So at what point, because of course the show is about betrayal, at what point did you start feeling like something wasn't right. You know what, Debbie? I think um, deep inside of me, I started to realise from a very young age. Um, I remember, on a, you know, we used to go to the church, the Kingdom Hall, three times a week, um, at minimum three times a week. And I, I remember when I was younger, just you know, on, on on a Sunday, eating my Sunday lunch around the family table and just trying whatever I could do to pretend to be ill so I wouldn't have to go to the church. I mean, I really hated it. I used to, I used to really feel very, very uncomfortable about going around with my parents and knocking on people's doors and trying to sell the literature that they sell, um, you know, to, to spread their words. Mm-hmm. So I, so deep inside of me, there was an uncomfortable feeling about it from a very young age, but of course I was young, you know, I had to do what my parents told me to do. So I used to do a lot of it under duress. And then it's probably when I got to about 14, um, when I really started to, I started to question things mm-hmm. and I wasn't being provided with answers. I was just being fobbed off or I was being told that I shouldn't question things. I just had to accept them as they were. And really, it, I, I, the more I started to question things, the more I thought, well, if, if, that's, if that's not true, if I don't believe that, then maybe there's other parts about you know, this whole religion that I don't believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really led up to when I was 16, I made the decision that, that was it. Enough was enough. And I, I actually left home. And I want to get, I definitely want to talk about that. But before that, it's so interesting, Abby, because everybody who I speak with about betrayal, and even in the study that I did about women who've been betrayed by a family member, a partner, they all, they all said, and I know this was the case with me too, that something didn't feel quite right, but they ignored it and they turned down their intuition. And it sounds like just at a very young age, you sensed that something just didn't feel right for you. Now this, I'm not, the last thing I'm going to do is put down any religion, but Mm. for you, this just didn't feel right. So you, you were sort of going along with it because again, you know, the way it works with betrayal is the people we trust the most, you know, this is, these are the people we put our trust in. So you put your trust in your parents trying to go along with and agree with something that just intuitively didn't feel right. And that feeling didn't grow away. It sounds like it just grew and grew and grew. And then you questioned it at 14. You weren't getting the answers that you want. So what happened at 16? Um, so, so at 16, I, you know, I, I had the opportunity, um, legally to be able to, to be able to leave. Um, I think it was partly my decision and partly my parents' decision. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there is, um, there is a, a, a very sad, um, situation within Jehovah's Witnesses families where, 
um, if somebody is not following the religion and they decide to disassociate themselves, mm-hmm. then more often, well, it, I mean, the, the, the family members are basically told that they can't have anything to do. They can't speak to the people mm-hmm. that have left. It's called disfellowship. Um, I mean, luckily that didn't happen to me the extent where I know it's happened to other people because I wasn't actually baptized. Um, so normally when you get to about 13, 14, you're immersed in water, you're baptized. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then if you break away, you're then disfellowship. Um, I wasn't baptized. So, I, so I couldn't be disfellowship. So really anybody, I could be walking down the street and any Jehovah's witness could speak to me. However, I was then seen as a bad association, um, you know, on my nieces, my nephews, my brother um, really didn't, told me that he didn't want me to have anything to do with my nieces and nephews because I was a bad association and I'd be leaving, leading them astray. Um, you know, I didn't really have a lot to do with my sister and it's, you know, uh, it's such a trauma, Debbie. Mm. Like I, I honestly, I look back and I just think, oh my goodness, I was 16 years old. I was so young. How on earth did I do it? Um, because it's so traumatic because everybody that you love, everybody that you hold dear in the world just goes away and you're left, you're left in this world that you don't really understand because you haven't been brought up like other people you've Mm -hmm. been protected quite a lot you haven't you know I didn't have any social skills really because I didn't really know how to interact with people that weren't Jehovah's Witnesses Mm. you know it's very difficult yeah and and it's you're you're hitting on so many important topics you know there is we it's a primal need to feel part of the tribe right to to feel like we belong and because of a change in beliefs to feel that you're no longer accepted and you're no longer a part of the tribe, a part of the group, is it is trauma and that is traumatic. And here it is again, betrayal is what happens when the people we trust the most prove untrustworthy or the ones that we run to, you know, that we're supposed to feel safe and secure with are the very ones that turn their backs on us. It is so traumatic. And, and what do we, what do we do with that? It makes no sense. And I always picture when it comes to betrayal, it's like someone takes a mask and just pulls it off. Like, no, you thought you knew me, but this is who I really am because I don't know. I, I, I can't personally, I can't fathom so ever hurting intentionally hurting anyone I loved and banishment or excommunication or disfellowship, whatever you, you call it is probably the most painful thing you can do. Yeah. So, so how did you, how did you make sense or make peace out of that? Now you said you had siblings, like what, what happened with them? What, what did you, what did you say to them? How did you deal with that? Um, I didn't really deal with it. I mean, my they were older than me. They were a lot older than me. So my brother's nine years older than me. Mm-hmm. My sister's 11 years older than me. There was still a very loose relationship there, but nothing as siblings should be. Um, and to be honest with you, I just, um, I think I was just, because I was so much younger than them, I just didn't feel you know, there was a whole generation gap. So that would be like me going and 
you know, really having it out with my, with my parents and challenging my parents. I just didn't have that fight inside of me. Mm-hmm. So I just, I went, you know, you know how I dealt with it? I just went and I just went wild. Mm. I really did. I mean, if you want me to be honest, honest, and I think it's important to be honest about this. I mean, I just went absolutely wild. I became a party girl. Um, I used to, you know, I was out every night. I was discovered drinking. I discovered boys. I just literally got it all out of my system. Mm-hmm. Um, now looking back now, is that the best way to deal with it? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't regret anything that I did in my life, by the way. Um, but I do think that, um, it was just, uh, a way for me to be able just to get rid of the hurt and the anger. You know, I was very, very angry. I felt like I'd been rejected, mm-hmm. um, by every single person, like I said before that, um, i how dear to and then once I'd done that and I got got that out of my system I actually went traveling so I went traveling for the next 10 years and I traveled around the world um and I met the most incredible people from different nationalities different religions different cultures Mm -hmm. um different genres and I just started to realize that actually what I was taught when I was growing up around associating with the right people and, and, and being um, careful about who influenced your mind, that was actually right. Mm-hmm. But they were doing it in a really controlling way. Mm-hmm. Whereas I discovered that actually it was my choice. It was my choice who um, I wanted to associate with. And I just met the most incredible people and, and basically made a, a, a found already made family. Um, so, so Abby, this is, this is the turning point. And, and I want to talk about this because here's where we have an opportunity and here's where I see so many people saying, but you know, this was so hard and it was so, this was so painful and they've made this cozy little home for themselves in this place of victimhood. And it's so easy to do. And we have every right to do that when we've been betrayed. Right. So it, it feels very comfortable but there's, it's the warriors. It's the ones who say, you know what, even though I have every right to stay here and I can, there's, there's something more that I should be doing. And I just, I want to heal. I want to feel better. I want to make meaning out of this experience. And I love how you took that one saying and used it to create an entirely different family. So what what fueled you on those days where you just felt like, wow, I've been rejected, abandoned, this feels awful. What kept you going saying, you know what, it's not worth going back to something I don't believe in. What, what kept you searching for something else? Um, I think it was just my real true belief that there was something more out there for me that I was worth a lot more than what I'd been brought up to believe. So, um, you know, my parents, eh, I'm not a victim of my parents. My parents had the very best intention for me. Every single person within the Jehovah's Witness organization had the very best intention for me. They were doing this out of love because they truly felt that it was the right thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think the understanding around that and not actually blaming them, just thinking, okay, they were only doing what they knew was best. They, they had no, any idea about this whole of the world and, you know, around the fact that, you know, maybe 
these fears aren't based on anything. Maybe there's nothing to be scared of because everything that they're saying is going to happen isn't going to happen. So I think that was the first thing, not really blaming people, just really learning to understand. And then the second thing was really, truly believing in myself that I was destined for more than Mm -hmm. just being a housewife with children devoted to my husband and sat there doing everything that my husband told me to do. And, you know, I want to put a caveat around that to say, there's nothing wrong with being a stay-at-home mother and a housewife and it's mm-hmm. just wonderful. But just the, the whole package that that was presented in to me, mm-hmm. like I was raised to be obedient to my father and then my father was going to give me to my husband mm-hmm. and then I was going to be owned by my husband and I would be obedient to my husband. Mm-hmm. I knew that there was a lot more to me than that. Um, so I, I think that that's really what kept me going. You know, I'm going to do, I'm, I'm doing a Facebook live actually later on in my Facebook group around tenacity. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, just that sheer determined willpower, not giving up. And sometimes when you're really in the face of adversity and you're so scared and you just don't know what's around the corner, just really truly believing in yourself and then just surrounding yourself with this tribe of people that really love you and respect you. And, and you're not with them out of fear. You're mm-hmm. with them out of love. So it's making decisions based on love instead of making decisions based on fear. Mm-hmm. And I feel that the, the, um, the energy and the culture and the behaviors that I had come from, every single decision in my family was based on fear. They thought it was based on love, but it wasn't. It was based on fear. So choosing not to make decisions based on fear really released me from that. I love that. And it sounds, it sounds like you, you have such an awareness around that, but how, so, so, informing new friendships and feeling safe and comfortable with a new, very different type of, very different type of people than you've been used to. How did you start? How did you trust? Because the biggest issue with betrayal is the shattering of trust. How did you trust in this new group of people that it's like, it's okay to, to be who you are and to, and to be friends with them and to have relationships with these people? What, how did that trust grow? What happened? Mm-hmm. You know what? It took a long time to grow. It really did. And if I look back at my long-standing friendships now, you know, I completely trust them. I love them. It's taken a lot of time. But what I did find is that I, it really took me a long time to really build very intimate relationships with people, mm-hmm. like friendships, because there was always a part of me that thought, I I just never gave myself a hundred percent like in friendships and also in relationships as well in relationships with partners. And I look back now and I realized that, you know, it was, that was a very difficult thing for me. It really, really was. And I truly believe that it wasn't really until probably about four years ago that I really started to do some very um, deep internal healing on myself and personal development Mm -hmm. I really don't believe that until then until that point I truly trusted people there was always a barrier there was always a self-defense mechanism you know there was always an escape route Mm -hmm. um and 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 really learning to truly 
love and accept myself and just slow down and not be so busy all the time and just take time with myself and other people really, I think, helped me have a better relationship and trust people. But it took a long time. You know, I'm 44 now. Mm -hmm. So that was like when I was 40. So that's a long time from 16 to 40. So that was, was, I guess that was the time you needed. So you're in such a beautiful position right now, seeing this from the other side. There, there are so many people, I'm sure, in the place you were in when you were 14, but they have been struggling with it for years. And I'm sure it can't not make them physically, mentally, emotionally sick. It can't, can't, it's impossible not to when you're living a life that just doesn't feel right. So for someone listening to this who does feel betrayed by their religion or their upbringing because they were taught something that intuitively just didn't make sense, but they're struggling with, but this is what I know. And these are the people that I trust. What do you, what do you tell them? What can you, what can you offer them? Um, I think it's really what I tell my clients now, (laughs) you know, my clients that I work with who are in a similar situation, but they're caught in corporate instead of caught in a religion and they want to leave, but they're scared to leave. Um, I think it's really just to trust your gut instinct to really, um, dig deep into your feminine power or your masculine power, but really your, you know, our bodies are so intuitive. Um, and very often we don't listen to them and, you know, that's when we become ill. It's our body's way of saying, Hey, hang on, you know, what's going on here? You know, I've been, I've had a heart condition. Um, I didn't realize that I had it all of my life and it started to show up when I was really, really unhappy when I worked in corporate and I just wasn't listening to it. Mm -hmm. So even after that time, even after all that time that I'd learnt. I thought that I'd learned a lesson, like a lesson and a a life lesson. It showed up again. I like repeated the pattern again, but this time instead of a religion, I repeated it within corporate. Um, But I've really learned to listen to my intuition. And if something doesn't feel right, if something feels off, if you feel disconnected, if you get that funny feeling, within you, that uncomfortable feeling, just listen to it. Don't ignore it. Do not ignore it. It's your, something is trying to tell you something. So then just start to ask questions, just start to gently and slowly, you know, ask questions of yourself and others and start to get really informed. Um, especially if you're in a situation where I was, where, you know, you're in any religion or any cult where, there is only one side of the story and you're not allowed to question and find out the other side. Always find out what the other side of the story is because how can you make informed decisions if you've only got one side of the story? So just make it your mission to really, you know, make an informed decision. I'm not saying that it's right or wrong for anybody. I don't sit here in judgment around anybody who's in any religion, any organization, you know, everybody has free will, but that's what it comes down to free will. If you actually make that decision based on all the facts, then that is a really amazing, comfortable decision to make. But if you only know half of the story or you're feeling very uncomfortable about it, then just listen, just listen to yourself, Mm. trust yourself. That's so important. And, And you know, this, 
That's such powerful advice. Think about this for really any betrayal. If you're confronting someone you feel is betraying you and if they're not willing to be open and honest, well, there's your answer right there. And it goes for a a person. It goes for a religion. It goes for a a job, whatever it is. If the, if the person on the other end is unwilling to, to just allow you to question, I think your gut is going to speak loud and clear. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's, that's powerful. So, you know, Abby, what do you want to make sure everybody knows before we wrap up? Um, I just, I just would like everybody to know that you you can create whatever life you want you know it's all there it's it's all there for every single one of us you know life is meant to be living in abundance um we're meant to be happy <laughs> um it's meant to be joyful you know it's really if you feel that you are in a situation at the moment that you're really unhappy in so it might be a uh, you know, it might be a religion, it might be a organization, it might be a toxic relationship, it might be a job that you're unhappy in. Know that you, you don't have to settle for that. You know, there are so many different options. And really, just try to live the life or strive to live the life that really you are destined to be living and, you know, follow your true purpose and everything will just fall into place beautifully. Beautiful. Abby, where do we find more about you? Where can we, where can we find you? So the best place to find me is my website. So it's abigailrebecca.com. Um, and, um, on there, you'll be able to see what I do. So everything that I've spoken about, I can also relate to how I felt when I was working in corporate and so many women, um, that I meet who work in corporate that are just unhappy and they want to leave, but you know, there's certain fears that hold them back. So if that sounds like you, um, if you just hop onto my website, abigailrebecca.com, you can actually, you know, there's stuff that you can look at there. I've also got a free roadmap as well that you can download, um, which is absolutely fantastic. And um, also on Facebook, I've got a Facebook group called um, Big Change, Small Steps. Um, And that is really full of just incredibly amazing, inspirational women that are really making some changes within their lives. So if you're going through change in your life and you want to have the power of a, a really great community, then just pop on over. We'd love to have you in there. Oh, Abby, well, I want to thank you so much. There are so many people I know who are where you were years ago, wondering, you know, if if this makes sense. What do I do? How do I leave? How do I change? Whether it's their their job, whether it's their religion, whether it's their family, whatever it is. So you shed such powerful and beautiful light on that. I just want to thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Debbie. Thank you. I really appreciate your time, and thanks everybody for listening. Wow, I know Abby spoke for so many people who intuitively know something doesn't feel right, either at work, within their religion, within a group, and they're afraid to take the risk of speaking up because of the fear of being abandoned. Stay in touch with Abby by going to her site at abigailrebecca.com, and we'll have her links in the show notes at pbtinstitute.com forward slash podcast. Here's my biggest takeaway. While fear of rejection and or abandonment are very real, not living your truth may be a harder way to go 
through life. Sure, it may be hard to disagree with the people you trust, but what price are you paying to keep the peace? Please assess how keeping the peace is impacting you. Is it keeping you from enjoying healthy relationships, finding a career that's more fulfilling, being surrounded and supported by people who get you and who you respect? Lots of questions to answer, I know, but they're worth it. Not living in truth can make you sick. So let's see what you're working with. If the pain of betrayal is keeping you sick, sad, and stuck, you may be struggling with post-betrayal syndrome. Take the quiz and see at pbtinstitute.com forward slash quiz. And the PBT Institute membership community will soon be here. Imagine everything you'd ever need to become your physical, mental, emotional best. Community, support, certified coaches and practitioners you could schedule time with, daily classes on all kinds of interesting topics, curated experts teaching advanced strategies in the areas of health, mindset, spirituality, personal development. Imagine the most friendly, welcoming and supportive place to become your best all online. I am so excited to share it with you and I will as soon as we open our doors. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to be with you next time. And here's to your breakthrough.